Please remain standing with me and turn in your Bibles to the book of John. Again, if you're visiting with us and maybe aren't familiar with the Bible, we're so glad you're here. And we printed the text for you on page 9 of your worship guide. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. This is God's Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. Would you pray with me and ask God's blessing on His Word preached? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you have all power and authority in heaven and on earth. It is your right. And you are the king and the head of your church. And we pray as we are gathered in your name that you would unleash all power and authority on us through your word preached. Holy Spirit, take your word and make it powerfully effective in our lives, that we would be changed by it. Don't leave us the same, but draw us to Jesus. And maybe for the first time giving faith in Him, and maybe for the thousandth time making us believe again. For we pray this in our Savior's name. Amen. I was sitting on the porch last night with my six-year-old and she looked over at me and said you know are you ready to preach tomorrow and I said sure I I think so I hope so we'll find out her bit of advice was don't make it too long no promises you know John is here he's introducing us to Jesus and he's he's pressing a question underneath the surface or he's begging a question if you do, and it's the question of, that I think we're all faced with at many times in our lives, not all the time. It may be the question that we are constantly asking or answering with our decisions that we make. The why question, why are we doing what we're doing? And John's assumption throughout his gospel is that it's because we're on a constant search for life, for anything to invigorate us. You know, why... You might sit around and think to yourselves, you know, students, why did I just spend two hours on Instagram instead of working on the paper that's due tomorrow? And you get done and you're like, it just didn't bring me any joy. I feel worse afterwards. Or maybe it's your parents are saying the same thing after spending two hours on Facebook. Who knows, you know? The answer is, why did I do this? Is always, at some level, it's because I'm looking for life because I feel so empty and dead. Maybe your pet sin that you've gone back to and you're wondering that. Why did I just go back here? I thought I had promised I would never return to this again. Because I'm looking for life. Something to capture me. Something to animate me. Something to make me feel alive. Because we were made to feel alive. And so John wants to bring us face to face with Jesus. 
Because knowing God and being known by God is life. It is what will capture us, animate us, make us feel alive, enter into the dead parts of our hearts and souls and give us life. Knowing God and being known by God is life. And so John, in this prologue, that's what these first 18 verses are. These first 18 verses are John's prologue. It's his introduction. It's him saying, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you throughout the rest of my book. And John's going to introduce us to Jesus in this prologue over the next couple of weeks. And throughout his book, the point that he makes is Jesus is enough because he alone is sufficient. He is the sufficient one. In fact, this theme of life is going to be a major theme. As he introduces us, though, to Jesus, he's introducing us to a character in his story who's yet unnamed, the Word. The Word, John says, was in the beginning. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John's as we'll see quite often, is quite a good writer. And as a writer, he often will introduce a theme that he then begins to unpack, you know, like maybe like a, a theme in a symphony or like you see little Easter egg drops in a movie, like this is something that's going to happen along the way or foreshadowing. He's a good writer and oftentimes will follow these threads throughout John's gospel and John through out this introduction, this prologue is introducing us to who Jesus is, the Word. But like every story, he goes back in the beginning. He goes way back. In the beginning was the Word. Well, yet introduced to who this Word is, he'll wait to do that in verse 14 and 15 and 16 and onwards. But here he's just going to introduce us to this mysterious one. The word, the Greek here is logos. At the time John's writing in the late first century, logos is an extremely loaded word. Both to the Greek world, and John's writing both to the Greeks, those who don't know the Bible, the ancient Jewish literature of the Old Testament, the Bible of the day. He's writing to those who don't know it and to the Jews at the same time and And logos, both to the Jewish and the Greek world, was an extremely loaded word. To understand what John is doing, we need to think about how our words function. In the beginning was the word. How do our words function? They function in two different ways. First, they reveal. Our words reveal our thoughts. Maybe you've driven down the road with your spouse and you've said to her, it's time quiet. You're probably wondering, you know, what are you thinking? What you're asking is use your words to reveal what's hidden right now. I want to know what's going on in your heart. Throughout the Bible, this is the way God's word functions. God reveals himself through his word. And repeatedly, the pattern of scripture is this. God acts and then he reveals. He reveals both in act and in his word. 
the Acts, and then we end up with the first five books of the Bible, the Acts and the Exodus, and then we end up with the first five books of the Bible. God is revealing himself through his word. His word, as the psalmist says, is more precious than silver that's been refined ten times because it has life. It reveals who God is. But our words not only reveal who we are, and sometimes they reveal hidden things that we want to keep hidden. Sometimes we speak out of anger and we say, I don't, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. It's a bad apology. What we should say is, I'm sorry, I meant that at the moment I was hating you. And that came out in my words, they revealed. And John's saying, look, if you want to know who God is, then look at his word as it is embodied in the person of Jesus Christ. But our words also shape things as well. We can move ideas around with our words. We can shape lives with our words. Our words have the ability to inflate someone by encouragement or deflate them by criticism. To the original audience, then, both of these things, both the Jews and to the Greeks, the ones who are receiving this, John is, is bringing these ideas together and says, you have nothing in common. The Greek world and the Jewish world are in opposition to each other, except under the surface. Jesus is the one that you're looking for because he is the true word. He's invading their language. He's entering into both of their words, worlds at the same time. He's entering in through an idea and saying, look, what you need is not an idea You need a person. Let me tell you who that person is. You don't need a philosophical system. That's what Logos was in the ancient Greek world. You don't need a moral system. That's what the Jews had begun to believe God's word was to them. You don't need a philosophical system or a moral system. You need God to come. You need God to come and be the source of life for you. God must come break in and recreate because in him is life and the life is the light of men and see that's what John is doing he's announcing to us that God has come this has been a promise that was long awaited in the scriptures God had been promising to come and put the world right again and his new work would be a long-promised recreation. Did you hear it in Isaiah 35? This is what they promised. The wilderness, the desert, the dry ground would be like, like, would blossom with life and the crocus would flower and the most desolate places would come to life and flourish when God showed up and did a work of recreation. The weak hands and the be strengthened. Those who are without any type of strength in themselves would be strengthened. Why? God has shown up. The eyes of the blind would be opened. The lame would leap. Not just walk, leap like a deer when God shows up to do a work of recreation. And John starts his gospel much differently than the other gospel writers. The other gospel writers, Luke and Matthew, both start with birth narratives of Jesus. Mark starts later in Jesus' life with his introduction to his public ministry and his baptism. But John starts his gospel much, much earlier. He starts his gospel all the way back at the beginning. 
in the beginning. It's meant to draw our attention all the way back to the beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 1. In fact, the Greek in here in John chapter 1 is exactly the same as the Greek translation of the Old Testament in Genesis chapter 1. Same exact words, on purpose. God, John is telling us, he's taking us back to to God's original work of creation. And there are echoes of creation all over these first five verses. In the beginning, it's meant to draw our attention there. All things were made through the word, verse 3 and verse 4. Light and life. The first major divisions of God's work of creation in Genesis chapter 1. First, he creates light. The first and second days, and days three through six, he creates life. And in God's work of original creation, he took what was formless and void, desolate and hopeless, chaotic and dangerous, and by his word, he spoke life into it. And when he got done, the world flourished because his word was present. And when God gets done in work of creation, it's teeming with life. It's bursting forth at its seams, just waiting for someone to come and tend to it because it's so alive. And the raw materials that God worked with, formless, void, darkness. And here's what John's saying. Jesus is here to do a work of recreation. And all of the dark and formless, void areas of your life. Where you feel the most helpless and barren. Where you think it's falling apart and no one can do anything about it. John's saying, look, Jesus is here. He's going to enter into the darkness and bring life. Because he is the resurrection and the life. And the most chaotic, swirling, completely formed Jesus, when he enters in, enters in to make them flourish. He can't do anything but that. And this is why Jesus can do that. This, he can do anything but that. He's, wherever he is present, he only makes things flourish with life and beats out the darkness. Because Jesus, as John tells us, is the life. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And his point is, life doesn't come from outside of Jesus. It's not like, life is not like something he brings along in his duffel bag, that he can either be there or not be there, and if he brings it along, you sure are in luck today. And him was life. That verb tense is important. It's lost in our translation. We don't have a verb tense that really fits well here. It's John's way of of saying, look, something happened. This was who he was a long time ago. It's who he continues to be. It's his way of saying, look, before life was in the world, life was in God. And the life that has come into the world in the person of Jesus And he waits until verse 14 to really put the full weight of this. This is the life that God has brought into the world. The Word became flesh 
and dwelt among us. We're going to see this next week. We're going to really unpack that verse. But he wants us to feel the full weight of who Jesus is. He is God in the flesh. Equal to God in all things. In power and in glory. In the person of Jesus, there are two natures. He is fully God and fully man. But before he took on flesh, he was God. First, he was in the beginning. Before anything was, when there was nothing, God was. And the person who became Jesus was in the beginning. Now, children, I want you to think about this for a minute. Before anything was, there was nothing but God. Now, think about nothing for a minute. You can't do it. You can't do it because you were wired to think about something. We can't fathom nothing. But before there was something, there was nothing And God was there because there was never a time when he was not. And Jesus is of the same substance as God. Whatever God is, Jesus is. Whatever God does, Jesus does. If you will, before we do the Lord's Supper, we're going to read the Nicene Creed together. And the Nicene Creed says this about who Jesus was before he took on human flesh. In the beginning, God. He was begotten, not made, of the same essence as the Father. Through him all things were made. He was in the beginning. Before something was, God was. And the person who took on our flesh, John's saying that's who God was. But he was in the beginning. Not only was he in the beginning, he was with God. That phrase is really intimate in the Greek. It just sort of captures this face to face. Face to face. Equality. Not just equality, but God, but the type of equality. He was with God in the beginning. He was before God's face. He was equal with God. But not just equal with Him, but the kind of of intimacy that he experienced meant that God the Son was with God as his equal and as his delight because as God delights in himself because he's the greatest being God can delight nothing but what is perfect in holiness and glory and worth to give anything else is not glory worth Delight is anything but idolatry. God is not able to be an idolater. He only delights in what is equal to him in power and glory. By the way, that's why he delights in his people, because he's made us like Christ. But he's with, that God the Son was with the Father, equal to him and his delight. And lest we lose the point that John is making, he makes it even clearer. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God face to face, equal and his delight. And lest he met, we miss the point, and the Word was God. Just hammers it home. This is the one who's come into the world. Now, 
you may have had a Jehovah's Witness knock on your door and take you to John chapter 1 and say to you that there is no definite article before and the word was God and therefore it should read in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was a God because there's no definite article in the Greek. That's true. There is no definite article in the Greek but if you really want to make yourself feel like a Greek scholar, all you have to say to them is this. That's a predicate nominative. Predicate nominatives don't require definite articles in the Greek. You have no idea what that means, but you will explain that away very quickly. And then you can take them back to John chapter 1, and you can say that the very thing that you're trying to deny is the very point that John is trying to make so clear. That Jesus needs to be fully God. Because God is the only one who can come with the power of the new creation to bring life to all the dead and broken areas of my life. This was so clearly communicated by Jesus that he was fully God. It was such a plain understanding of who he was that in John chapter 5, it is the reason the Jews are seeking to kill him. Because he was not only breaking the Sabbath, but was even calling God his Father, making himself equal with God. So Jesus was of the same substance as the Father, but he was also distinct from the Father. You see this show up, right? He's of the same substance, equal to God. The Word was God, but the Word, he's also a distinct person. So that all things now, verse 3, he was in the beginning with God, verse 2. Now all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made, not anything was made that was made. And so here, before he became Jesus, God the Son, before the Word became flesh, was the agent through whom the Father did the work of creation. In him was life. And as a result, God the Father did the work of creation through God the Son. All things were made through him. And John, as a good writer, says, let me tell it to you a different way. Without him, not anything was made that was made. It's really cumbersome because he's really honoring the hammer home the point. And this is going to be an extremely important theme as we run through John's gospel. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all working together to do both the work of the original creation, but all working together to do the work of recreation in our lives. God the Father plans. God the Son executes. God the Holy Spirit applies all that belongs to Jesus to us so that we are made alive and flourish in Christ. By God's grace, not by our own doing. God in all of his power doing a work that we could not do for ourselves. And now this brings us full circle. Our understanding of Jesus as God the Son who took on human flesh means this. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness 
has not overcome it. When Jesus breaks into the darkness, he wins. He doesn't win like the battlefields of World War II or the Middle East, where everything is desolate, devastated, having to be rebuilt completely without form and void. No, when Jesus breaks into the darkness, he wins, and he wins with life and light. Because he is fully God and has life in himself. In him was life. Now, what else can say that? Other things may possess life, but not in themselves. A lady, a little baby in a mother's womb possesses life. But there was a time when that baby was not. Life was given to it. Animals. Life given it to plants. There was a time when they were not. There was a time when they will not be. They don't have life in themselves. If life is granted to them. But God, as he is in himself, has life in himself. Jesus says this in John chapter 5, verse 26. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. In him was life. And the life of God cannot be exhausted. There's enough and enough and enough and enough to give. It animates the world. This is the point John's making. Look around you. And you see life springing up. It's spring. Life's coming alive. It's coming from Jesus who has life in himself. And he just gives and gives and gives. There's no shortage of life in himself. And he's animating the world. There's no boundaries to his, his life. It is an endless supply. There is enough for you. And you. And you. And you. And me. And the whole of creation and all of the people with all of our brokenness. There is an endless supply of the life of Jesus. And when it comes in, it always wins. It shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Now overcome feels a little bit tame in my mind. It's a bit of a violent word in the original language. You think of a, I can think of a, 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 a ship, a small ship being overtaken by a storm at sea. It just completely engulfs and devastates it. The waves are 20 or 30 feet high. Nothing can stand in the way of a storm when it overtakes a small ship at sea. It's violent. Jesus, as the word in whom there is life, has come into the darkness. His light is life, is light, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. Tries, tried really hard. The darkness had a chance, crucified him, dead, buried. And he rose. And the darkness could not overcome him. And hate and jealousy and rebellion and brokenness and the light didn't, wasn't overtaken by the darkness. He rose from the dead because the darkness cannot overcome the sun. 
The coming of the Son in the person of Jesus is not the battle of equals. It's the battle of God the Son who cannot, who cannot be overcome. So when His light and His life break into our lives, nothing can stand in His way. Because He speaks and He works and He does whatever He does to do with whatever part of our lives that He tends to. Sometimes that's, that's long. Sometimes it's just one little piece of our lives where He says, okay, this is the darkness that I'm dealing with. But you can bet on the fact that wherever He's putting His finger, light and life is breaking in. And what's going to come on the other side is flourishing. And a new you. And old broken parts transformed by God the Son. Let's pray. Lord, as we um, come from your word to your table, bring light and life to the areas where we feel the absolutely the most hopeless. Break in and make us flourish through Jesus. Amen.